Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and today on The Detail, Jacinda Ardern goes stateside. The Prime Minister will head to the United States tonight for a whirlwind trade mission. Jacinda Ardern confirming she will meet the US President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris at the White House on Tuesday next week. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's been warning about the dangers of the spread of misinformation online and she made those comments at Boston's Harvard University. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. But beyond the talk shows and the honorary degrees... It comes as New Zealand joins the newly launched, get this, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. The plan seeks to expand the US economic influence in the region. What are the serious machinations going on in the Pacific that make this trip more than just a PR exercise for brand Kiwi? Overseas now, US President Joe Biden has ignited a firestorm by claiming the US will intervene militarily if China launches an attack on Taiwan. Well, now to the proposed economic and security deal, which threatens to dramatically expand China's influence in the Pacific. You can't let a vacuum develop because a vacuum will be soon filled and is being filled now. As the trip wraps up, what was the point? What was in it for us and what was in it for them? And where does our relationship with the US go to? from here. Newsroom political editor Joe Moyer, welcome to The Detail. Hello. There are probably going to be a lot of people listening to this who think, oh, bloody gallery journalists swanning around the world with Prime Minister, uh, hotels and pina coladas and poolside recliners and things like that. Um, So what's it like? Tell me about your past 48 hours. Where have you been? What have you been doing? In some ways, I wish that there was a visual image to go with this so that you could see what I look like right now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it is definitely not pina coladas and mojitos, and care that much. Uh, got to bed at 1am in the morning uh, after returning from a full-on day in New York, which was the first day of the official Prime Minister's programme. Loads of meetings on the run, on the go, filing the whole lot. Had to get up at 4am. Uh, to be out the door at 4.30am to get on a plane to Washington, D.C. So that was a glorious two and a half hours sleep. Don't get to sleep on the plane because you've got stories to file and get set up for. Don't get any breakfast or coffee on the plane because the flight is too short to do any food or a drink service. Oh. So you arrive in Washington, you haven't had anything to eat, you haven't had any coffee and you've had two and a half hours sleep and then you're straight into events and stand-ups, um, running around the capital. We've all got lots of gear with us. Um, you're having to carry it all. So it's pretty hard going, especially for the TV guys that have got their tripods and cameras mm. and things. There's barely time for toilet breaks, although apparently the Prime Minister had an issue with that as well, and oh. she was saying to one of the other reporters that she also was struggling to uh, fit a toilet break in as well. So she's also suffering. And then you jump on another plane, and we're off to Boston. So that day, we started in New York, we spent the day in Washington, D.C., and then we arrived that night in Boston. Three cities, one day, huge day. Get off the plane, still filing. Time for dinner and a drink, off to bed. Can't actually sleep, though, because you're so jet-lagged. Mm. You're out the door mm. again at 7am the next morning. Full-on day in Boston. Um, and then jump on the plane and do more work and then land in another city, which is San Francisco, which is where I am now. And it is 20 past nine, and I'm having a lovely chat to you, and I've still got a cross to do with Lloyd on Today FM, and then I've got a story to write for Newsroom. <laughs> Let's take a step back then. Let's look at this trip, this overall trip, big picture. Why is this happening? Why is the Prime Minister taking this trip to the US? What are our goals here from the New Zealand government's point of view? So this trip is very much three-legged. 
it is tourism, it is trade, and then it's politics. And the politics bit, we didn't know if that was going to happen, but obviously that White House confirmation has um, come through and, and it will. In saying that, she did actually go to Washington, D.C. this week and have some meetings with senators and congressmen. So she she had a political element to it anyway, but you know the big prize there, obviously, is the meeting with President Biden and also um, Vice President Kamala Harris as well. So in terms of tourism, it is very much New Zealand is open for business. Um, it's just letting everyone know that, you know, all of those tourist visas, people can come back in. Um, Air New Zealand's obviously launching its flights again with America in terms of Chicago, New York, you know, direct flights from Auckland. Just letting everyone know that... Dear Stephen and Evelyn, please join us for our wedding. Date TBC, <laughs> but sometime after... Oh. Non-stop flights from New York to Auckland starting 17th, September 17th, 2022. Okay. Yep. It's also about uh, the business delegation that's travelling with her and giving them opportunities, um, both tourism opportunities and trade opportunities. So they kind of cross um, over those those two bits. And getting meetings uh, that, you know, they will benefit from, whether it be to grow in, in the US market or to get entry into the US market. Uh, the meetings that she's been having are huge for the business delegation. I was having a chat with some of them on the plane today, and they said that, you know, they just wouldn't get in the door with some of these people. So the fact that the prime minister can get them in the door and then they can do sort of the hard work after that is, you know, a huge win for them. Obviously, there's work going on with the US re-entering the Indo-Pacific region at the moment with that Indo-Pacific economic framework that President Biden has uh, announced this week. New Zealand has signed up to US President Joe Biden's Indo-Pacific trade pact overnight. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And then you've got the politics, right? You've got the influence of China and the Pacific region, you know, getting the US in to sort of counterbalance that and just kind of having that relationship, that face-to-face with uh, President Biden and, and sort of getting to know him. And I guess ideally, Jacinda Ardern would love to get to a, a position with him where she can, you know, drop him a text message in the same way that John Key was able to do it with Barack Obama. You know, and that's just about rapport and spending time together. So it's a huge opportunity there's lots going on over here and, you know, the the events and things that they're going to um, are all ticking all of those boxes, definitely. I would say the United States is a vital country to New Zealand. Stephen Jacoby is a former diplomat, consultant and executive director of the New Zealand International Business Forum. At the broadest level, while the United States can't fix all the problems in the world, none of the problems can be fixed without the United States. Mm. So we need them to be engaged, whether it's on matters of security or economics or climate change. They've got to be part of that conversation. At the kind of more bilateral level, they're a very important trading partner. Our third or fourth largest could be bigger under better conditions. We might talk about that. But it is an amazing place for innovation, for investment, for new business ideas. All of those things make it important. And at the cultural level, of course, there's enormous connection. So I think from whatever way you look at it, it is a vital relationship. Flipping that on its head, is New Zealand an important country to the USA? Well, I don't know. Um, well, yeah, I mean, let, let's put it this way. If you look at it in economic terms, we're something, about, something like the 46th, large, <laughs> the 46th largest export market for the United States. I think we are an important country for the United States by virtue of history and shared values. You know, New Zealand's been around uh, in all the big international meetings, uh, was a participant in the great, you know, struggles of the last century. Obviously, we're part of the Five Eyes 
intelligence sharing network. So yeah, you know, we are we are important, but we're only as important as issues of the day present themselves. So um, I think the United States values New Zealand's viewpoints, wants a very good relationship, but that can only really take us so far. That's precisely why the Prime Minister has to knock on the door in Washington, DC, and why we have to work that much harder. We have to work harder with the US and the US has to work with us. Uh, and that's why this investment in, in, in visits and diplomacy and engagement is so important. I, I think I'm right, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think I'm right in saying that New Zealand's trade relationship with the USA is a bit different to how it uh, is with some other big countries. Milk, for example, I don't think is a particularly big part of our trade relationship as it is with China, for example. So what is the nature of our trade relationship with the US? I mean, I've heard it said that we focus on the high-value products in that relationship. Is that the case? I suppose that would be right. But let me just say, of course, that the largest export we have of anything to the United States still happens to be hamburger beef. Mm. So uh, let's not get carried away completely. <laughs> um, but no, I think you're right to say that the relationship is a little different. It's partly because we don't have the same free trade agreement mm-hmm. uh, that we have with others, which means that some of our more volume-based exports you know, can't benefit from the um, tariff elimination Uh, We have a quota for beef going to the United States and pay a very small tariff. But this relationship is much more focused on the services trade. 22% of our services exports go to the United States. It's also focused on investment. Mm. Larger number of New Zealand companies investing in the United States, much more than we have in China, for example. So I I suppose it's, it's it's a relationship that's moved up the value chain. But if we could have the sort of free trade arrangement we have with the United States that we have with others, we might actually see a significant expansion again of the relationship. But for various reasons, you know, that's not really going to happen at this time. Mm. You had an interesting line just there. You said we're only as important as the the issues of the day sort of make us. And the issues of the day are different to what they were yesterday. I am curious about whether particularly in terms of China's presence in the Pacific and China making relatively aggressive moves uh, in the Pacific, whether you think New Zealand is maybe seen in a slightly different light by countries like the US now, whether that relationship is perhaps growing a bit in importance, whether or not that's symbolic. What's your take on that? Well, it's no doubt that um, uh, the Pacific is now a theatre for this rivalry between the United States and China. And um, that hasn't always uh, been the case, or rather, it has been simmering along for a while, but now has burst out into the open and just in events of recent days with Wang Yi's visit to um, the Pacific. Leaked documents have revealed Beijing is proposing a region wide deal with 10 countries covering police training, biometrics like fingerprints, new trade arrangements, and scholarships. The New Zealand government is being criticised for letting its relationships with Pacific Islands drift as China tries to boost its influence in the region. The benign Pacific is not quite uh, the same. By the way, it's not just the Chinese doing this. I mean, you know, AUKUS. The new security pact between the US. UK and Australia, and already denounced by China, the AUKUS Pact will see Australia build a fleet of nuclear-powered submarines for its navy using technology provided by the US. Has also, you know, raised the prospect of militarisation in, in the Pacific, and I, in a, in a way that personally I think is profoundly unhelpful for New Zealand's interests. But yeah, these things are changing, and it's bringing more of a, an edge to this uh, relationship and cooperation we have with us. You know, the United States 
can always rely on New Zealand as being a partner that shares its worldview, even though from time to time we might express things differently. You know, I, people often say, you know, are we going to be forced to choose between the China and the United States? You know, we chose ages ago to be an open liberal market economy, a democracy. We've made those choices. We're always going to be found to be on the side of those who share a similar outlook. So to the extent that all of that matters in the Pacific, yeah, we are becoming more important to the United States. Now, we've heard a couple of times about the new Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. This is an agreement led by the US with a dozen initial signatories, including New Zealand, Australia, India, Japan, Singapore and South Korea. This is the blueprint by which the United States wishes to engage in the so-called Indo-Pacific region in an economic context. It's the companion piece for the, all the work that's done to build up political and military involvements in Asia. There are some things about the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework that need to be thought about. I mean, no one really knows what it is. It's rather vague. Actually, it's not, not as vague as some people say, now I come to think of it. There is a little more flesh on the bones. But what it is not is a trade agreement. So it is not um, going to deliver improved market access, tariff elimination, changes to US legislation or regulations that might impact on a commercially on companies and countries' interests in the US market. Mm. It is more a forum for discussion of the digital economy, of supply chain resilience and the infrastructure matters. You know, it's all good stuff at one level, but it has some fish hooks with it, uh, which I think are a little worrying. The first thing is it doesn't convey market access, as I said. The second thing is uh, that it excludes China deliberately. So it seems to be kind of fashion as an attempt to decouple um, the region from China. By the way, that is doomed to failure. Mm. Uh, it won't happen, nor will it happen that you can decouple the US from economically from China. But it excludes China, and that kind of draws a bit of a line down the middle of the Asia-Pacific which is very worrying for a country like New Zealand, which has always based its involvement in the region on a concept called open regionalism. That is that everybody should be able to participate in these economic structures if they are willing to live up to the standards that go with them. So in the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which became the uh, Comprehensive and Progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership, or, or CPTPP, that is a trade agreement that delivers market access uh, with a set of rules that anybody can join if they're willing to live it up, up to it. China actually has applied to join. The United States, of course, as we know, withdrew. So it's a far different conception, and I think that's a little worrying, frankly. So beyond the meet and greets with hedge fund managers and senators, how is Jacinda Ardern using her visit to the US to promote New Zealand trade on a broad level? Back to Joe Moyer. Her job as Prime Minister is to be New Zealand's biggest and best ambassador. So everything she is doing while she's away is about showcasing and selling the New Zealand brand. Um, she's very conscious of that. She's very good at it as well. We had been, so this is in, in New York this week, and we had been at an event at Silverfern Farms, who have an office over here. They were launching their new carbon zero beef product, which is pretty huge because obviously there's a big market um, for you know more sustainable foods. So big event, um, and to have the Prime Minister there was a big win for them. She was leaving that event to go and pre-record the live show with Stephen Colbert, which is a massive, massive show in the States. It's huge. Um, it's actually her third time that she's done it. And 
the benefits of it are really big. She'd obviously been given a chili bin of this carbon zero meat by Silverfern Farms. So she decided that she would take that and that she would actually give it to Stephen Colbert because, you know, this is a great opportunity to talk about a New Zealand company, to talk about a product um, that Americans are particularly interested in Mm. at the moment, feeds into, you know, New Zealand's sustainability message and just created like a really good sort of hilarious moment on the show. I actually have an entire esky of beef with me for you as as a gift. Um, an entire what? A, a chili bin. A chi- These what, are not what, words you use. What, what did you call it? An like, a, like a, I thought that was the American word for it. What, like an esky, a chili bin? We call it a chili bin. A, a cooler. A cooler. I like I mean, chili bin. It I sounds mean, like it's a pot of chili to me, though. I, the chili bin. I really feel like the New Zealand word chili bin. It, it says what it is on the label. It's a it's sure. a cold bin. Yes. Um, I've got a cold bin of of beef for you. Thank you. <laughs> no, no leader of a country has ever said that to me before. You know, everyone thought it was hilarious. It's that sort of you know quaint, quirky sort of New Zealand thing that happens all of the time. Mm. But you know, that went out live mm. to so many people uh, at 11.30 that night. And Silverfern Farms, I imagine, would have been like, what is happening right now? Because that is just like, you cannot buy that kind of advertising. That was crazy. We've been discussing thus far, you know, geopolitical forces. But I am curious about this as well. Is the PR aspect of it, is there a considerable benefit to our leader being seen in that light, do you think? Without doubt, there is considerable benefit. Uh, I mean, Jacinda Ardern has um, a star quality in the United States that no other prime minister has had. You know, you cannot calculate the value of her appearance on the Stephen Colbert show. You know, that is a prime time politically oriented show that um, brings in this 25 to 54 year old demographic that everybody in the United States wants to reach. I mean, you you couldn't buy that. And I think also being granted an honorary doctor from Harvard University uh, and to address the commencement is of huge importance. Uh, So, you know, she has already done us a great favour. You know, and I say this, I mean, uh, as a Kiwi, not uh, not in any political sense, Mm. but I mean, it's great to see, and that's exactly what we want. Because, and you asked me this earlier, you know, how important are we to the United States? As I said, we have to work harder, and we have to get ourselves onto the agenda there. Uh, that, uh, you know, that is very, very hard to do. We have here a Prime Minister who, one of the main criticisms from her critics is that, you know, she is more style, style over substance, and more interested in swanning off overseas on these trips and, and going on the Colbert show than in um, committing and making meaningful domestic change. How do you think that a trip like this plays into that narrative or plays against it? I think probably for the most part, people who see these trips as just being some sort of like junket and her having an opportunity to go, you know, talk on the late show or whatever, probably aren't voting for her anyway. <laughs> so, um, and I just don't think that it's any different to... John Key did this. Helen Clark did this. It's not new. 
and John Key has done many uh, an interview to, you know, push New Zealand's brand and, you know, and it has a bit of a celebrity focus or whatever you want to call it. So I don't really sort of have a strong view on that either way other than to say that, you know, people will think what they think. And, yeah, I, I don't know that Jacinda Ardern would lose votes over it, I guess is what I'm saying. It is a good thing that we're connecting with the world and Jacinda Ardern is leading that and all credit uh, to her uh, when she has many things to worry about, not the least of which recovering from COVID. But, um, you know, I mean, the fact now she has an opportunity to talk to the president, I think is kind of icing on the cake. It would have been a bit of a downer, frankly, if she'd have come back and said, well, I got my honorary degree and gave the speech, but I didn't, I didn't see the man in charge. And, you know, she has some important things to talk to the United States about. And let me mention just one of them. The United States is still applying duties to our tiny exports of steel and aluminium. And they put these tariffs on during the Trump administration for national security rounds. rounds. I mean, give me a break, as if New Zealand's tiny exports of steel and aluminium are gonna threaten the security of of the United States. Maybe we are more important than we think. (laughs) Um, She needs to urge him to get rid of those tariffs. You know, I find it extraordinary that we can be talking to the United States about free and open and resilient trade in the Indo-Pacific economic framework, yet they're applying <laughs> uh, they're applying tariffs to our, our exports. So that's one thing she can materially advance. She won't come back with a free trade agreement. She won't come back with the United States pledging to come back to TPP. The politics are all against those things. But I think having this opportunity to raise key issues uh, with the president, it's, it's invaluable. That's it for today. I'm Emile Donovan. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to Joe Moyer and Stephen Jacoby. Matewa. <laughs>